Hi, Donovan. I love the show and have been wanting to write in for a while. Bear with me on this story, though, because it's an absolute doozy. This one goes way back to 1999, when I first moved to Los Angeles and took a job with the city sewer department. Most people know by now that there have been colonies of homeless people living underground in the sewers of major cities for a long time. This isn't new information or unique to Los Angeles, as sad as it may be. An unfortunate part for working for the sewer department, though, is that occasionally we have to run into these parts of the system and flush these people out. For the most part, they aren't hurting anything, but these colonies tend to develop their own set of laws. They can lead to some pretty dire and dangerous situations if they aren't reminded on occasion that people are keeping an eye on them. One way to do this is to break up the colonies now and again by forcing them to relocate. Of course, nobody likes running people out of their homes, no matter how unseemly those homes may be. But there are kids and elderly people down there too. So you have to try and maintain a certain level of civilization and at the very least know what's going on. This particular day would be my first time being assigned this task and also my last. That morning, I was already dreading the task for the simple fact that it did involve stomping around in the sewers and dealing with unpleasant people in unpleasant situations. I was warned the day prior that I'd be traveling down with a coworker named Rodney to learn how to perform the task. Rodney had always seemed like a pretty solid character, so I was a little bit encouraged in that sense. When I reported to work, Rodney's already getting ready to head out. As I walked in, he gave me a once-over look and asked me if I was sure if I was ready for all of this. I told him I was ready as I'd ever be, and he tossed me a headlamp. He said to me, you're not going to believe what you see down there, so just be ready for anything. I shrugged it off. I'd grown up in tough neighborhoods and seen just about anything that I was imagining we'd find down there. I had seen or lived it firsthand myself, so I wasn't worried. He didn't seem to like that I was so casual about the situation. He got a little more stern with me. He said, I mean what I'm telling you. Once we're down there, I need to know you're going to keep your head on straight. I couldn't help but laugh. He seemed to be making this whole thing a lot more dramatic than it needed to be. There's a reason they're sending you there with me and nobody else, he said. I let my curiosity get the better of me. What's that, I asked half expecting him to rattle off some crap about being former law enforcement or military, whatever his reason was for having such an inflated ego about the whole ordeal. Because I'm the only one that can deal with those things and not get scared, he said. Now my curiosity was piqued. Things? What the hell did he mean by those things? We were heading down to deal with people as far as I knew. I didn't say another word after that for a while. I just watched Rodney and did everything he did. I have to admit, I was a little spooked thinking about what he might mean. After all, we've all heard of urban legends of baby alligators getting flushed down the toilets and rats the size of dogs. I actually was beginning to wonder if I should have brought my gun. We made our way down the manhole and started down one long tunnel. He sort of glanced back over his shoulder and said, I can smell them. You smell that? We were in a sewer so I was hesitant to take a sniff, but I did anyway out of pure curiosity. The smell reminded me of my little brother's pet turtle tank when we were kids, that musty, mildewy smell of reptiles and stagnant water. I asked Rodney, 
The people down here smell like that? I still wasn't clear on what we were doing. He kind of chuckled and explained to me, before we talk to the people down here, we got to get permission to look for them. Permission? What was he talking about, permission? And from whom? There they are, he said. I looked down the tunnel. At least a dozen pair of eyes were reflecting back the light of our headlamps. I started trembling and wanted to turn and run back, but I wasn't about to make an embarrassment of myself in front of Rodney. As we got closer to the eyes, I was surprised to find that they all looked very much like people. They weren't attractive people, I give you that much. They all had this sort of bulging eyes and thin lips. What I could see of ears were all oversized and a bit pointed, but to catch any of them up on the surface, you would think they were just ugly humans. One of them approached Rodney, and they had a sort of a hushed conversation. I stood back and waited, not sure what to make of the situation. As I waited, a child emerged from behind the group and approached me. When she got close enough, I could see that her eyes were this funny yellow color, and her pupils looked like slits. As unsettling as it all was, they didn't seem malicious. And as soon as Rodney was finished talking to the guy, we took off down another tunnel to search for the homeless colonies. Later on, I asked him, what in the hell was all of that? He just shrugged. I don't know where they came from. I just know they're in charge down here. It's best not to ask any more questions. So I didn't. I just turned in my notice the next day, and I quit that job. Hi Donovan, I don't tell this story often, because you never know how people are going to react. I'll just get to the point. I grew up in a haunted house. My childhood home was not some creepy old mansion next to a cemetery, like in a movie. No, it was just a regular house in a regular neighborhood. We actually lived in a cul-de-sac. My earliest memories of the house were pretty uneventful. But unfortunately, my mom died unexpectedly of a heart attack when I was nine. My older brother took it pretty hard. My dad was a complete mess. I struggled with it too, but we stuck together and we got through it. It was about six months later when strange things began to happen. It was little things at first. The type of things you don't notice right away. Like I'd put a TV remote down, go to the bathroom, but when I came back, it would be in a different place. It was enough to notice, but also subtle enough that it could have been my imagination. After a while, it started to happen more frequently and more obvious, like stuff would disappear and reappear in a different room. Doors would open and close by themselves, and late at night, I'd hear footsteps in the hallway. My mom had a sewing room and used to spend a lot of time there. She'd make all kinds of things, blankets, shirts, dolls, dresses, whatever. She just loved to create. This was actually the room where she died. My dad was hesitant to get rid of anything, so we just left it as it was. I used to watch mom sew all the time, and after she died, I found myself hanging out in there a lot. I began to notice the smell of mom's perfume. I found comfort in that, and as a little kid, I just thought the smell lingered from when she was alive, maybe caught in the fabric or clothes. Sometimes I'd smell it right before I went to bed, as if mom was tucking me in and saying goodnight. I became convinced that my mom was checking in on us, and I wasn't scared. My dad and brother were aware of some of the things that were going on. I mean, it's hard to ignore doors opening and closing by themselves, 
or stuff mysteriously disappearing. But Dad got offended when I suggested it might have been Mom's ghost. So I just kept everything to myself. That's when I started seeing the shadow. It was only wisps out of the corner of my eye, always darting out of the sewing room. Soon after, I'd see an actual figure standing in the hallway. It was a silhouette shaped like a person, but it wasn't a solid figure. What creeped me out was that it was jet black, blacker than black. The shadow was always preceded by the smell of my mom's perfume, and at first, I was sure it was mom, until I noticed it was taller than her and had a broader frame. And while the previous incidents weren't innocuous enough, this shadow gave me a different feeling. It had a presence, a power to it, but it was negative and dark. One time, I was hanging out in my mom's sewing room, just sitting at her table, drifting off to sleep. I could smell her perfume as I dozed off, which gave me this sense of comfort. But then I heard her call my name, a whisper directly in my ear. I woke up and saw the shadow standing in the corner. I could feel it looking at me. The hair on my head stood straight up, and there was this intense sense of urgency to get out of there as fast as I could. I ran for the door, but the shadow came right at me. I burst into the hall screaming and slamming the door shut. My dad and brother came running to see what happened, and that's when they noticed my shirt was torn and there were scratches on my shoulder. I started crying and told them what I saw, but my dad actually got angry and refused to believe me. I never went in my mom's sewing room again, and we kept the door locked. The thing is, whenever I walked by that room alone, I smelled her perfume and heard her calling me from behind the door. It would never happen with my dad or my brother around, only if I was by myself. I was afraid to talk to anyone about it, but I finally got the nerve to ask my brother. He had never seen the shadow himself, but he believed me, or at least he believed that I believed what I saw was real. I just felt like dad was hiding something from us. My brother had no explanation, but thought I should cut dad some slack because he was still having a rough time. As long as we kept the door to the sewing room shut, I never saw the shadow. It still tried to lure me in with the smell of mom's perfume in her voice, but I ignored it. I couldn't help but think it had something to do with her death. A year later, we finally moved out of that house. Thankfully, there were no strange occurrences at our new home, and whatever I experienced gradually faded from my memory with time. Over the years, it's been hard to think about mom and not be reminded about what happened. Recently, I've become concerned because I started smelling my mom's perfume again. I was in denial at first, but then I started hearing her call out to me from empty rooms. I'm now seeing wisps of shadows out of the corner of my eyes. You don't have to believe me, but I swear this is true. I don't know what to think, and I'm just bracing for what happens next. Hi Donovan, I gotta tell you this story, because your show saved my life, and the lives of seven kids and my friend Luke. I lead a scout group in Wisconsin. The scouts have this camp in the north woods near a lake. I don't want to say which one, because the whole thing's a little crazy, as you'll see. Anyway, this particular camp is a good one for beginners, because it's not real big. The kids stay in canvas tents with concrete floors. So it's kind of like camping, but not. There are little bathrooms with showers in them, and fire pits. 
I've taken them there before and never really had any problems, but this time was different. It started out like usual. Luke and I hauled the stuff from our cars. Food, fire, starting materials, junk the scouts brought that they wouldn't need. They did their little hike around the grounds, which isn't very big, but it's surrounded by the North Woods, so there's not much out there. Nothing unusual happened except I noticed a few dead animals while we were walking around. The kids and Luke didn't notice because they were off the trail. I did because they looked chewed up, like as if something gnawed on them and then moved on. Which is odd because most times wild animals eat their prey. They don't just chew on it. But I kind of forgot about that with the usual drama of trying to get a fire started and Luke's dumb idea of trying to make an oven out of soda cans, a pie plate, and a copy paper box. He's been watching too much YouTube, I guess. Finally, we sang the usual songs around the campfire and started to get the kids to go in their tents. They're all around 10 years old, so they got a lot of energy until they don't. They were in their tents by 9, probably watching videos on their phones that they weren't supposed to have. But I didn't care as long as they were quiet. Luke was in the tent with me, and he was reading with headphones on. I didn't like to do that in case the kids needed something. They were in two different tents on either side of us. I heard the usual forest sounds, bugs and frogs mostly, and sometimes a stick breaking in the woods. Suddenly, I had this weird feeling. I felt scared for no reason I could think of. I got out my flashlight and went outside. I shined it around, but I didn't see anything. The bathroom had a light on it, but other than that, the camp was dark. I hadn't thought much about it before, but on this particular night, we were the only group there probably because it was September and starting to get pretty cold at night. Anyway, shining the flashlight around didn't really do much, as you know if you've ever been in the woods at night. I smelled something, though, like if something died and was rotting. Must have been a dead raccoon around, I thought, but still, it made me more nervous. I'd never been nervous at this camp before. I went back inside, but I couldn't sleep partly because of the cots had these terrible vinyl mattresses on them. The sleeping bag slid around on it. Plus, it was starting to get pretty cold. I started hearing these crunching noises, like something big was walking around in the woods. Could be a deer, I thought, but I still had this bad feeling I just couldn't shake. I went out there again with a flashlight, and this time, before I shined it around, I thought I saw these red eyes looking at me from the edge of the woods. But it was just for a second and I wasn't sure if I had just imagined it. I told myself it was nothing and just went back inside. I guess I must have slept for a while, because then the next time I woke up, I heard birds chirping. It was dark in the tent, but when I went outside, it was gray like just before the sun comes up. I looked toward the spot where I'd seen the red eyes, the trees just beyond the fire pit. This time, I saw more than just the eyes. I knew from watching your show what I was looking at, I think, is a wendigo. It had a skull head with this rotted flesh hanging off of it. Just looking at it and smelling that horrible death odor almost made me throw up. I was also terrified. I knew I had to get Luke and the kids out of there fast. I always carry a whistle around my neck. I blew it and yelled, Everyone up! We're going to breakfast! Luke came out of the tent first. I knew he was going to say that we had breakfast. We'd packed a pancake mix and bacon we were going to cook. He saw the look on my face, though, and he knew something wasn't right. 
He helped me get those kids into the cars, even though they were complaining. He didn't let them change or even use the restroom. While I drove, I pretended like nothing was wrong, acting like it was a prank or maybe a drill like a fire drill. The kids were too tired to complain too much. In the nearest town, there's a diner, and we stopped there. While the kids lined up to use the bathroom, I got a couple of tables. When Luke and I sat down, he said, What was going on back there? Something was out there in the woods, I said. The waitress came over and filled our coffee cups. After we ate, we went back and packed up. It was light out by then, but I still watched the woods. I didn't see anything except for a chewed-up raccoon that I hid under some leaves before any of the kids saw it. It's become clear to me that the end of days is upon us. We must all repent our sins and embrace for the Lord. I have committed many sins in my lifetime, and I pray to the Lord that I will be forgiven and welcome into the kingdom of heaven. I feel I was given a glimpse into what lies ahead for those of us who remain unrepentant. I was on my aunt's property in rural Pennsylvania shortly after her death. I was the executor of her will, and I had not been to her house in a very long time. Being inside the house had left me feeling overwhelmed with the task of cataloging her possessions, so I decided to wander around the property for a few minutes just to clear my head and restore my spirit. It's an old house built around 1900 and a rather large property. It used to have multiple houses and barns, back in the day when families all lived clustered together. Most of these buildings have tumbled down, and a lot of the lumber has been removed leaving the landscape dotted with stone chimneys and old wells. It was there that I had been shown what my fate would be, if I were not to turn and embrace the Lord before it was too late. As I was walking through the fields, I heard the screech come from the east, an ungodly sound like nothing I've heard before. It echoed through the air, causing several crows in the yard to take flight. When I looked in that direction, I saw an old well, so I walked over to it totally unsuspecting of what it contained. The well was formed with fieldstone, not brick. That's how old it was. The mortar holding it together was crumbling away. As I grew nearer, a strong smell of sulfur filled the air. And now I understand why. But at the time, I just thought it was a natural occurrence of some sort. The earth releasing gases from a most likely dry well. I stepped to the edge and peered into the well. And my heart almost stopped. Among the debris that had been tossed inside, there was this creature perched on one piece of timber that was lodged between the stones, about 15 feet down. It was the most horrific sight I had ever witnessed. I'm convinced it was one of the devil's minions. It was holding a large bird, maybe a hawk, with taloned claws, and ripping its flesh with its teeth, gobbling it up while the poor thing still twitched. The creature had a horse's skull for a head, but the appearance of a small dragon. It crouched on its hind legs, black wings sprouting from its back, though they were folded down. It looked up at me in that instant, and its eyes were glowing red coals. I could see evil in its face. I backed up slowly, my feet barely able to move. I was in so much shock and horror at the sight. I clutched the cross around my neck and called upon Jesus to save me. Then I heard the most terrible rustling of wings, and I knew that thing was coming up after me. I turned and ran as fast as I could for the old farmhouse. I could hear it in the air behind me, 
It hissed as it dove near my head, and I cried out in terror, feeling the whoosh of air as it almost managed to nab me. I was panning out the Lord's Prayer as I ran up the steps and through the door, slamming it behind me. My heart was beating so fast I thought I'd have a heart attack. Then I remembered the back door is where I'd gone out, and I had left it with just the screen door shut. As wickedly sharp as the talons appeared on that beast, I knew it would have no trouble ripping that screen apart in order to get me. I ran through the living room and kitchen and slammed the back door shut, locking it. I looked out the windows, but couldn't see it anywhere. Even going back to the living room, which faced the well from which it had risen, I could see nothing. It was like it vanished. I got down on my knees then, on that dusty hard floor, and gave thanks to the Lord for sparing me. I promised to change my evil ways and follow him, if he would give me another chance. A scratching sound had me stumbling over my prayers, and I just jumped to my feet looking around me, wondering if it had managed to get in the house somehow. More scratching nearby. I was shaking in terror. Then I suddenly realized where the sound was coming from. The chimney. This farmhouse had a big chimney, the way that they built them a hundred years ago. Somehow that demon knew it could gain entrance to the house by the way of the chimney. The scratching sound was moving slowly down from the ceiling, and I knew it was only a matter of minutes before I'd see that terrible helper of Satan appear in the fireplace. I ran grabbing my keys from the foyer table as I flung open the front door, praying the creature was lodged deep enough inside the chimney that I could make it out to my car in time. By the grace of God, I did just that. I got in my car and got out there as fast as I could, reciting the Lord's Prayer until I was ten minutes down the road. I pulled off to the side and called a co-worker friend of mine, who's always been a devout Christian, and we prayed together while I drove back to town. I know this creature was shown to me, so I could spread the word. Evil lives among us. You must repent and walk in the path of the Lord, or a terrible fate will befall you. Sincerely, Donna. Also, make sure to check out dreadsarmy.com, where you'll find all of my stories and multiple strange and weird news posted every single day. If you want to be part of the discussion, check out the forums on Dreads Army. We also have a Facebook group so you don't miss out on any updates. Thanks and take care.